Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, I'm Desi Jenikin. Hey, Desi. Well, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) I like when you do that. I do. Should we uh, start by thanking our lovely Patreon subscribers from this past week? Yes. We have a Patreon. You can help support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes as well as ad-free episodes. If you're like, shut up, I don't want to hear these ads. Yeah. There is a solution. Absolutely. Go to patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene and there you have access to hundreds of hours of content. I'm not joking. And I'd like to say for people like me who might be like, ugh, it's going to be really hard. It's actually couldn't be easier to get the Patreon feed into your Apple podcast app if you want it that way. Or whatever app. Whatever app. Like it's so easy because I have a few um, subscriptions myself. Same. And it was was, uh, good to see how it worked because I was like, oh, this is really easy. Even the dumbest bitch like me Mm. can do it. So if you're afraid that it's complicated, it's not. It's pretty easy. This week we had Shauna, Hannah, Shonda, Raven, Jesse, Sarah, Angie, Carrie, Julie, Jackie, and Emily. Thank you all very much. Thank you. So this week we are going to begin a two-part series on the biggest scandals and crimes related to TV dramas. Some of our favorite TV dramas had some little issues. This is sort of a a cousin of our sitcom scandals. Yeah. Uh, so next week will be part two, and we'll have some special guests. We're gonna Should we keep it secret, or we have a really exciting crossover happening next week. Yeah. So look forward to that. Um, and I have a few uh, stories to get to, so let's get started. Uh, The first one we're going to talk about is from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Now, my source for this was an article from Entertainment Weekly by Paul Katz. So in 2005, ABC launched a mid-season replacement that became a surprising smash success and would go on to become one of the longest-running scripted primetime shows in television history. Is this show still on the air? Yes. It is now in its 18th season, Grey's Anatomy. That's wild. Yeah. So this is a standard medical procedural with a heavy dose of soap opera as we see not only unusual cases each episode, but the personal lives of the doctors and nurses on the show. Although primarily the show revolves around Meredith Grey and her relationship with McDreamy, Another one of the show's early power couples was between rock star heart surgeons, Christina Yang, played by Sandra Oh, and Preston Burke, played by Isaiah Washington. But during the filming of the third season, 
Isaiah fumbled the bag in a huge way. He mm. could have been on this show for 18 seasons. He'd this, be set for life. I remember when this was such a huge story when this broke. Yeah. That even people like me who did not watch Grey's Anatomy knew this whole story. Right. So what happened? He, at some point, it was revealed that he was involved in an onset fight with Patrick Dempsey, who plays McDreamy. And during this fight, he supposed, or he supposedly, or he admitted to later even, that he dropped a homophobic slur allegedly aimed at T.R. Knight, who plays George on the show or played George on the show, and at the time was not publicly out as a gay man. This blow up actually uh, leads to T.R. Knight uh, announcing that he is gay on October 19th, shortly after this incident went down. Now, Isaiah Washington issues an apology at the time, but later disputed the story, explaining on Larry King Live that he never used the, quote, F word in reference to Knight, but rather told Patrick Dempsey to stop treating him like an F word during an argument, which was uh, started by Dempsey, according to Washington. He said this is a word to him uh, that meant that he was, uh, he was treating him like he was weak, or a person who was not deserving of respect. Now, I just like to say that is exactly partially why people don't like that word being used, even against someone who is not gay, because it's equally offensive in that regard. Yeah, it's a slur. It's a slur. Uh, so he, that was his sort of like excuse, I guess. I wasn't saying it to a gay person. I was saying, I don't want to be talked about like that uh, or whatever, treated like whatever he thinks that word means which is also bad. So he doesn't let it go, though, Isaiah Washington. No. Next, he is interviewed on the red carpet at the Golden Globes in January of 2007, and he jokes while he's being interviewed, quote, I love gay. I wanted to be gay. Please let me be gay. Uh, After (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, that's not how you make up for saying something bad like i just it's crazy honestly love i love gay please let me be gay like the (laughs) please let me be gay is okay it's like calm down now after the show wins best drama he once again is back with the press uh because they're obviously asking him questions about this conflict backstage and he says no i did not call tr a and says the slur right Okay. Like he doesn't say the F word or the homophobic. He just says it. I didn't call him that. Uh, So yeah. And TR Knight goes on Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) And what a fucking, what what are you thinking? I don't know. It's like, does he not have a PR person? Like at least a crisis PR person at this point? It sounds like he doesn't have a filter when he just said the word out loud again to another reporter. I think he just truly didn't see what the big deal was. Right. Like, like in a way, he like, he didn't internalize the apology. No, I think he knew that other people thought it was a big deal, but he didn't truly see what the problem was. Right. But he was like sort of forced to apologize, I guess. So, one of TR's biggest defenders at this time is Catherine Heigl, our friend from My Father the Hero, which we recapped on our Patreon. <laughs> Just a little plug. Um, and she she goes after Isaiah Washington. And at some point she says, 
I'm going to be really honest right now. He needs to just not speak in public, period. I'm sorry. That did not need to be said, and I'm not okay with it. Whoa. Uh, So he... You know, he finally gets some PR, I guess, because he starts going on this apology tour. He releases another apologetic statement. He shoots a PSA for um, GLAAD that airs during the May 24th Grey's rerun. Uh, And a source close to him tells EW that he asked for a chance to tell his side of the story and even offered to resign twice, but the studio and network said no. The source said, quote, he even volunteered to sit down with Diane Sawyer. (laughs) That's wow. Wow. (laughs) Um, But ABC Studios were like, no, we're going to discourage you from talking, (laughs) from speaking about the incident anymore, which is probably the right call. So he issues another apology at length for using the uh, slur in this argument with Patrick Dempsey. And a source tells People Magazine at the time, and this is January of uh, 2007, that he was scheduled to return to Grey's Anatomy set as early as the end of the month for the first time since uh, entering executive counseling after the comments at the Golden Globes happened. Executive counseling. I don't even know. what Does that exist anymore? I I don't know. Um, So the character, but things were not going well for him because things start happening with his character, which seems like indicative of what might be happening. His character, Preston Burke, breaks off his wedding to Christina Yang. And Isaiah skips out on the May 17th finale. Shortly after that, on June 7th, ABC Studios confirms that Grey's Anatomy star Isaiah Washington will not be returning to the show. Now, he does continue working as an actor, and his feelings about the incident uh, only make him more angry in the years to come. In particular, his anger is really directed at Katherine Heigl, and things start coming up again in 2020. So, really? Yeah, and even last month. <gasps> so this is from a 2020 um, Vanity Fair article by Emily Kirkpatrick. Um, Isaiah Washington in 2020 tweets out a photo of Katherine Heigl out of nowhere. Nothing had happened. <laughs> it just pops up in his feed one day, and the the caption on the photo or the tweet on the photo is this woman once proclaimed that I should never be allowed to speak publicly again. The world agreed with her proclamation back then and protested for my job and my head in 65 languages. I wish I was on Twitter in 2007 because I will never stop exercising my free speech. Someone commented on his tweet and he said, I've learned that all the money ain't good money and no amount of money can replace your dignity and integrity. Some call it living by your principles. Now, he after these tweets popped off, people were like back on his ass, right? Including Perez Hilton. Well, I don't really give a fuck what <laughs> he thinks. Well, he went off on Perez Hilton. Uh, he said, I have no idea why you lead the charge to remove me from my hit show, knowing it was a lie. You even intentionally called Will I Am that disgusting word and never apologized. But here you are, hypocrite. Just thank me for making you look like a hero. <laughs> so he goes off on Perez. That's true. Do you remember that when Perez used that slur against Will I Am? I remember their big old beef that they had. Yeah. Yeah. We should do early beefs of the two. <laughs> there were so many. Yeah. Um, so he also retweets people's story about his tweets when this happened. And he said, 
I'm calling at people out as well for ignoring the testimony of my whistleblower that debunked the story three years ago. I couldn't defend myself on Twitter back then, but I can now. Free speech is mine. Call Mark Padowitz for the truth, but you won't. Hypocrisy. Padowitz was like the president of ABC at the time. I couldn't find what he had said, if he said anything defending Isaiah, but I have no idea. So while... Catherine Heigl didn't really officially say anything about these uh, 2020 tweets. A court, um, someone close to her told Page Six, Catherine stood up for her close friend twice uh, after he called uh, T.R. Knight a, a homophobic slur. That's hate talk, not free speech. She is proud that she stood up for him, and Catherine is and always will be an advocate and ally to the LGBT community. Meanwhile... Uh, Catherine has her own dramatic exit from the series in 2010. You might remember she wins a supporting actress Emmy for the show uh, during those early seasons, I think for season four. She was quite good. Yeah, she's great. Uh, And then after that, she controversially uh, withdraws her name from Emmy contenders list. And she issues a statement saying, I did not feel that I was given the material this season to warrant an Emmy nomination. In addition, I do not want to potentially take away an opportunity from an actress who was given such uh, materials. So real slight to the writers and producers of the show, even though it's sort of on a noble like front. Yeah, that is such a... <laughs> Look, <laughs> it, it's not. It's probably not good because it is... Yeah, on one hand, on one hand, you are really dissing these writers who just withdraw your name. Yeah. Don't make the statement. On the other hand, yeah, that's nice that you gave other people or thought you were giving other people, but well, it's also kind of like, so you thought you were going to get nominated. Oh, like, she wasn't even nominated. No, <laughs> no, she was just not taking it out of consideration. <laughs> so it's like, you weren't even nominated girl. Damn. That's shady. Uh, so the, contra- the drama continued between Heigl and Shonda Rhimes, who is the show creator. Uh, in 2014, while discussing her new show, Scandals, Rhimes said, there are no Heigls in this situation. <gasps> I don't put up with bullshit or nasty people. I don't have time for it. <laughs> no Heigls. I mean, and this was after 2014. That was years, a few years after Heigl had been branded. Oh, Yeah. Because that was 2010. Because she's been branded difficult to work with. Yes. And Heigl responded to that. I'm sorry she's left with a crappy impression of me. I wish I could do something to change that. Maybe I will be able to someday. Now, there's a recent update to the story that came out on February 28th of this year. Wow. Isaiah Washington went back on Twitter and he tweeted out, quote, it is with a heavy heart and a sense of relief that I am announcing my early retirement from the entertainment industry today. Those who have been following, witnessing my journey here on Twitter since 2011 all know that I have fought the good fight, but it seems like the haters, <laughs> provocateurs, and the useful idiots have won. So he has continued working in act, as an actor. He has been on shows like The 100, P-Valley, uh, and he even returned uh, for an episode of Grey's in season 10. Most recently, he played Bass Reeves, who was um, historically noted as the first black deputy U.S. marshal. Uh, and that was in the film Corsicana. And he said, that's going to be my last movie. He he continued his tweet thread saying, I'm no longer interested in the back and forth regarding a color construct that keeps us human beings divided, nor am I interested in politics or anything vitriolic. 
I will be traveling this great country before it falls into socialism. <laughs> communism. Until that, know that this Frederick Douglass conservative will keep his powder dry and loves you all. I'm truly grateful for your support over the years. And Corsicana movie, maybe the last time you see me as an actor here in America. Just know that I will be posting a few pictures of my retirement shenanigans here and there. But until then, be safe. Your loved ones love you and need you. Salute. I look Isaiah. I'm sure you don't. This is America. You don't have to worry about it. Us turning to socialism anytime no. soon. No matter how hard we try. Yes. However, <laughs> after he he gets a lot of response to this retirement tweet, and what does he do? He starts a GoFundMe page, and this is to create a movie, the Bass Reeves Movie Project. Uh, 2023. He's like, wow. After seeing all this positive response to my retirement announcement. It became clear that I am just operating outside of the traditional Hollywood system. Uh, so why not? Why stop now with over five million views and counting for my on my February twenty eighth Twitter post? It seems that I just received one dollar from all five million people. Then I'll have enough to make my movie. That's not how it works. But as of press time, the project has raised nine thousand dollars of its one million goal with two hundred and forty nine donations. So he's he's getting there. Not not that not good, that much. Good but. luck, Isaiah. So yeah, I mean, maybe people will get to see his movie after all. Yeah. Uh so that is the Isaiah Wash. I couldn't believe there was a recent update. I was Unbelievable. Like, really? He's 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 not mad though. I'm just kidding. He's not. Uh anyway. Next up, in nineteen ninety-nine, a rising starlet did something so controversial that it is become a customary ta- a cautionary tale for young young actresses who followed anytime a tv character has made or contemplated making a major hair change it's referred to as pulling a felicity <gasps> yes we were talking about the infamous incident uh with carrie russell and her hit show felicity in which she cut her locks off and people went fucking mad. Carrie Russell was known for her Botticelli curls. She's gorgeous, and her hair is gorgeous. And you know what? She's gorgeous with the short hair, too. I agree. I never got this controversy. It's wild. But people were mad. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is from E! News. The writer said... The Rachel hairstyle from Friends, consider this the opposite of that. So we know the Rachel was a hot haircut. Mm. Everyone fucking wanted it. I had it. You did? Of course. (laughs) I need to see that. (laughs) I did not have it. In an article from E! News, um, they interviewed all the people kind of involved in this, including Carrie Russell. So we're going to get the real story about what went down. Uh, If you don't remember, Felicity was a show about a young girl who changes her whole life on a whim by following her crush to NYU, like an NYU-like college, because she thinks he made this encouraging gesture to her at graduation. Uh, It turns out that she was mistaken, and she's basically stuck in New York and has to make things work. We watch her trials and tribulations as she navigates adulthood and the men in her life, including... uh, Ben, who was played by Scott Speedman, and Noel, who's played by Scott Foley. The two Scots. The two Scots. Uh, did you watch Felicity? I didn't, but I read a lot of teen magazines, so I knew yeah. what was going on. You got it. You got it down. Yeah. I didn't watch it when it was out, but I did watch it later, like in the past five or six years. Oh, interesting. I binged it. It's good. 
So Felicity, as we mentioned up top, is played by Carrie Russell, and she really became a star for her vulnerable performance and her iconic curls. Yeah. She had a look. Uh, But while the realism of the show was often praised when the show launched, in season two, they went with a storyline that was too damn real. A woman drastically changing her hair after a breakup with less than good results. (laughs) Now, this is something we've all done. Yeah. It could be as simple as cutting bangs. Mm. That's a popular one. We've all done that. You want to change. You're starting fresh. You're turning over a new leaf. Okay, Desi, I have to ask. (laughs) What was your worst breakup hairdo or your I need a new change hairdo? Um, I got a perm. (gasps) I got a perm. (laughs) That's my only one. Because I have very fine, straight hair. There's not many options for me. Yeah. I've dyed my hair a lot of colors, but I don't, none of them were particularly bad. Yeah. Um, but the perm was bad. That was my worst thing. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't even that bad because it wasn't like I looked like the Brady Bunch. It right. It was just kind of like, eh, this, this isn't what I wanted. Right. I want it naturally curly hair. <laughs> right. Not perm curly. Uh, what's yours? Um, my most drastic. I'm making a change after a breakup. I I've never really done that, but I did. There was like a a year period where I had where I had bangs in the recent past. Well, I guess ten 12, yeah t- ten years ago, and it did. You know what? It just mm, I look at those pictures of my hair then, and it just no. I don't think I've ever had anything where it's like embarrassing. Yeah, but I just don't like it. It's more me. Uh, do you know what I mean? I, I think I made more bad hair choices in my past, but they weren't necessarily related to I'm going through it right now. Yeah, I, I also didn't do that, but it's very common. It's A lot of people super do common. it. So uh, according to Carrie Russell, she uh, sent me the statement um, at a TV festival in 2018. It's such a typical college girl story. The guy breaks up with her and then she goes and cuts her hair and it's really bad. Uh, And it was really bad for Carrie Russell because everyone lost their fucking shit over this haircut. And we finally learned from Carrie how it all went down. Uh, She said it wasn't initially in the showrunner's plans until Carrie decided to play a practical joke on them. She said that the way it all totally went down was they were wrapping up the first season and the hair people were putting away everything they had into boxes. There was a little boy's wig. We put it on me like at two in the morning as a joke. We took a Polaroid and over the summer, we thought it would be really funny to send to J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves, the producers of the show, and say, I cut my hair. I hope you like it. So this was a joke. (laughs) Yeah. Her joke soon became the inspiration though for J.J. Abrams because he called Carrie Russell after after getting the photo and said, uh, would you consider uh, cutting your hair? She said, I was with my girlfriends at some lake and I got the phone call from JJ and he said, hey, we got your picture. No laughing, no nothing. Would you really cut your hair? And I was like, I guess. As for how it actually went down, uh, she said she did begin the process on camera. This is used in the TV show as the ending of an episode where viewers are forced to wait for the next episode to get the reveal of what her look was. Wow. So this is like a cliffhanger. We see her locks falling and then it ends 
And then we don't get the reveal until a week later. And everyone was <laughs> dead on the floor when they saw it. She said, we shot that scene at like 4 a.m. on a Friday. And the hair girl actually, it's in slow motion, like her cutting my hair, snipping it. Then a few hours later, I went to a hair salon and someone kind of cut the rest off and styled it. Sorry, I have to wipe my glasses. So while viewers obviously hated this haircut, um, one person in her life at the time, he he really had no poker face when it came to seeing her for the first time with the haircut. And that was Scott Speedman, who she was dating at the time. In, in real, real life? life? Yes. So she said, we were actually dating at the time and I'd been such... This is, I'm sorry, Scott Speedman says this. We were actually dating at the time and I'd been such a disaster of a boyfriend up until then. And I knew I had to put on a good show when I was going to see her new haircut. And I was like, come on, man, you got to bring it home. You got to do it. I got to work. She turned around the corner and my face sort of froze in half panic, half smile situation. <laughs> it was like a chia head sort of vibe to it. <laughs> So he did clarify later. It did turn into something great. We all recovered from it. Well, um, he wasn't initially into the cut uh, as well as the fans um, too. Russell said she loved it, even though she knew it wasn't exactly her best look ever. She said, I thought that was such a good storyline. And I think the thing that was so surprising to me about the reaction is that Felicity was never a fashion plate anyway. She, she was wearing baggy clothes and kind of like loungewear stuff. And I didn't think everyone cared so much about the way I looked. So it, it wasn't the best, but it was so good for the character. To me, it didn't matter. So the shock, she, she was really stunned by this backlash because it was over the fucking top. People like, were mean to her. She got they got death threats. Like people were what? threatening the what? people who cut her hair. I mean, it's out of control. She actually did a late night with Seth, Seth Meyers in 2016 that had celebrities on offering advice to their younger selves. And her advice was, your life is going to be so exciting, but whatever you do, don't cut your hair short during, during the second season of Felicity. No, I'm serious. People will freak the hell out. You'll get hate mail. You'll even get death threats. But gradually, your hair will grow back and your fans will forgive you. But you will never, and I, will, I repeat, never forgive your fans. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, that's so mean. Because like you said, that is such a real thing that so many people do. It's, it's just very weird. It's, it's just very weird to have that kind of reaction. And I do appreciate that kind of realism to do something so drastic, especially. And it is shocking. It's, it's, it's shocking as a viewer, but I think in a good way, because it's so true to life that, yes, these Botticelli curls are so beautiful and so iconic to her look. That's they why grow I, back. But they grow back. But I, I, I appreciate that the show went there. I do too. She said uh, strangers would come up to her on the street and say things like, you were so pretty before you cut your hair. Let me just say, even if you do not like this haircut, she is beautiful and like she looks great. Like her face is just as pretty <laughs> with the short hair. Like yeah. it's crazy. She's gorgeous. So yeah, they weren't just taking it out on uh, Carrie Russell. They were writing to the executives at the WB as well. And they actually had to make a statement to the press saying that they took full responsibility for cutting her hair. Um, people started revolting against the look and the show. The producers were obviously like us. She's so gorgeous. Who cares how long her hair was? And they really didn't see 
what the de- the big deal was. Um, but they were getting tons of emails and letters and feedbacks from not only fans, but friends in the industries who were fan industry, who were fans of the show. And they were disappointed and angry at uh, the producers for having Carrie cut off their hair. They were asking who made the decision. Like these are people <laughs> in the industry. <laughs> um, and one person said, like when she cut her hair, they said, I don't want to be that person, but it ruins the illusion for me. How? I don't know. Um, so this also is blamed for a mass exodus of viewers who said, who people claim stopped watching the show because her hair was gone. Wow. Now, Felicity was really popular its first season and had like a slight sophomore slump the second season. And people theorized that it was because of this hair haircut that alienated the fan base Um, and this theory was adopted by the network. Like it wasn't just something people were like, no, the network is like, yeah, that's what happened. Um, WB entertainment president named Suzanne Daniels said that Carrie's Felicity was becoming an icon in television culture. And part of that icon was her hair. Part of the strong image of Felicity was the shot of Felicity's profile by the window in her dorm room, talking into a tape recorder. And when they cut the hair off, and I couldn't foresee this then, you diluted that image, you diluted that icon. So they really think that this is the reason that this happened, but there are other things. The network changed the show's time slot, moving it from Tuesdays to Sundays. And the storylines got a little darker on the second season as well. Really? So um, that people were like, well, there's other things that could possibly have led to that. Um, I want to watch Felicity now. It's good. There's only four seasons, so it's really fast to watch. It's very good. Um, As her hair started to grow back, ratings slowly increased, but never reached the numbers um, that it hit in season one. Uh, The outcry reportedly even led to TV networks, other TV networks banning its young stars from ever cutting their hair short. Damn. Um, (laughs) That's so fucked up. Yeah. One person, Suzanne Daniels, was reported as saying in an interview, nobody's cutting their hair again on our network and on our staff. That's my (laughs) new stance. No more haircuts. Um, So obviously Felicity is canceled in 2002, but her, this incident lives on in television history. Um, Teen dramas that followed, including Buffy the Vampire Slayer, One Tree Hill, um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, all make quips about this um, pop culture moment. Sabrina, in particular, um, is receiving flack for an expose she wrote, and she asked in it, why is everyone looking at me like the girl who told Felicity to cut her hair? Right. So it definitely became something just iconic. It was a pop pop culture. culture thing. Yes. So our last story before we take a break. In 1996, Hunter Tyler was set to leave her daytime TV job on The Bold and the Beautiful in order to make the leap to primetime TV. She had been hired to play Taylor McBride on Aaron Spelling's primetime soap, Melrose Place. Listen to Bitch Slap. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's a plug for our other... That's a plug for our Melrose Place recap show. Um, So this gig was supposed to be for at least eight episodes with possible extensions, and Hunter was thrilled for the opportunity to play Taylor McBride, who was uh, described as being a sexy vixen who was going to scheme and seduce her former lover, Peter Burns, away from his wife, Amanda. We love this storyline. I love it. (laughs) So then there was a hitch. 
Hunter Tylo got pregnant, and she claims that's when she alerted Melrose Place producers of her pregnancy. Uh, and when she did this, her contract was terminated. The executives in charge cited a material change clause, uh, which meant that she wasn't allowed to change the way she looked uh, once she was hired. So lawyers for Aaron Spelling's corporate uh, entity, whatever, argued that her condition, pregnancy, would have made her too fat to play the role of Taylor McBride, <gasps> a vixen who was going to seduce. And they were literally like, uh, you can't seduce anyone if you look like you're pregnant. That was <gasps> like, they literally said this. Um, they pointed to a clause in the contract about her appearance having to stay the same. They also argued that pregnancy discrimination law carves out an exception for actresses because of the need for dramatic believability. What? They, they were saying a pregnant woman, it wasn't believable that she'd be able to seduce anyone. I disagree. I disagree too. I think pregnant women fuck. Pregnant women fuck. And in fact, it's a fetish. Oh, yeah. So a big one. So also we all know what actresses look like when they're pregnant. Yeah, come on. You can barely tell sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, not that it matters, but they then recast the role with another daytime star, Lisa Renna. Ironically, Renna is pregnant when she is cast and allowed to keep the role. What? Isn't that crazy? Now, at this point, Tylo does something completely unexpected. She sues Spelling Production for pregnancy discrimination, wrongful termination, and breach of contract. Her, ar- her lawyers argue that her pregnancy could have been hidden using different can- camera angles, wardrobe items, holding a pillow. <laughs> you know how they always hide the pregnancy of actresses? Yes. Um, as television series have been doing for years to disguise an actress's pregnancy, they said she. They did the same thing for Heather Locklear when she was pregnant on the show. Um, so she was pregnant on the show. Yes, you I, wouldn't have known. I guess with Ava, right? Her daughter with uh, Richie Sambora. Yeah. So one of the most shocking claims she makes in this lawsuit is uh, she says that she overheard a conversation with producers where one of the producers said, "Why doesn't she just go out and get an abortion? <gasps> then she can work." So representatives on Spelling's behalf denied any wrongdoing on their part. They said that Tylo was a liar and publicity seeker. And they said that they even offered her a new contract and a new character role as part of a settlement offer. Now, by the time the trial begins, Hunter is in her third trimester with her daughter, Katya. And to underscore her point point that she could be pregnant and sexy at the same time, she shows up to court every day in tight mini skirts and <laughs> looking really hot. That's... Her pregnancy barely showing, even though she's like eight months pregnant. Good for her. I love it. The deposition. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great <laughs> idea because it's like, here, look. I'm hot. And, you know, like I said, she probably fucking, those people gain like 15 pounds when they're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like crazy. So they also had a deposition from an executive producer named Frank South. And in this, he told Spelling that it was not dramatically sensible to have a woman who was five months pregnant rolling around in bed with our stars. Why not? Uh, I don't know. Where these people are like from the 40s. Like, what, what is going on here? Now, Locklear testifies uh, in court that she was able to continue playing a similar role while pregnant. And Lisa Renna also um, testifies that she was expecting at the time and was allowed to continue with the role. 
So that's pretty damning yeah, for the company. That's bad. Uh, they award her $4.8 million. Wow. $4 million for emotional distress and nine hundred. You know, eight hundred something thousand for economic loss, which was more than she asked for. She only asked for two point five million dollars, and Damn. they gave her more. She said, "They never dreamed I would challenge them. Never believe me. No woman in this business wants to challenge a producer. You can be blackballed very easily, and I was attacked on every side. People were telling me I would never make it, that I was hurting my career, but I came through all of it." She said the victory was a victory for every woman and every child that's not born. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Calm down, Hunter. Uh, and then she goes to work on uh, Bold and the Beautiful again. I think she's there for like literally like 30 years, like forever. You know, those daytime actresses, they'll be on the show for fucking 30 years. Yeah. It's a great little gig for it them. It is a great gig. It's a hard job, but it's great. It's very hard. Uh, but she did find other projects after that. And Lisa does fine. In that <laughs> we all <role>. know. <laughs> We all know, look, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa was a great choice for that role, even if she's a complete fucking clown in that role. She is, but it's very funny. But by the time Lisa joins the show, it's already gone off the rails so much that it just makes sense that Lisa Rinna would join the show. Absolutely. It kind of is like meant to be. I literally cannot wait to watch it because now I have the context of her on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and I think it's going to make it even funnier. Because you haven't seen Melrose since then. No, and I don't like... I actually never liked Lisa Renna because I, I was like a huge daytime soap person and like you said about Felicity, even though I didn't watch Days of Our Lives, I knew everything about it because I read Soap Opera Digest. Yeah. <laughs> I would like literally use my babysitting money to fucking buy that magazine. So I would read about all of the different couples. That is crazy. It's totally crazy. I love that though. Um, So I knew who she was. I knew who Hunter Tyler was. uh, And when she came on, I I hated Lisa Renna. And then when she came on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I was also like, oh, like why is she still here? She's like an Alyssa Milano type for me who also comes on Melrose Theater. (laughs) Who's also... Uh, God, Desi. And am I vindicated or what? You can't win (laughs) in the later seasons of Melrose Place. No, but uh, I feel good that my childhood hates have been fully vindicated, even though it took a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I was always right about Alyssa and and Lisa. Wow. Wait, what did Alyssa do? To me? Personally? No, I know what she... Oh, what? she's just annoying on to me personally. <laughs> like that, that any of that happened in person. You just think she's annoying. Well, but I think a lot of people don't like her. Like, remember she wanted to do the sex strike? Oh, yeah. And everyone's like... We're she does doing- a lot of stupid shit on Twitter where I think people have finally turned on her. Yeah. Because she's, she's kind of uh, tone deaf and clueless. Yeah. I don't think she's done anything like truly cancelable or whatever. No. But I think people are just tired of her shit. And I've always been tired of her shit. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back after this break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. Okay, this is a wild story. This is um, about a show that neither one of us, I'm sure, have ever watched <laughs> But I think this story is very interesting. In 1987, ABC dropped a highly unusual TV show that was based on a Channel 4 British TV film called Max Headroom 20 Minutes into the Future. The show was called Max Headroom and was set in a futuristic dystopia ruled by an oligarchy of television networks and features the character and media personality Max Headroom. Now, I tried to figure out what this show was about. It's basically um, this guy played by Matt Frewer named Edison Carter is kind of uh, trying to find this corruption in this TV oligarchy world. At some point, he gets injured in in a motorcycle accident in a parking lot. And some hacker creates a computer-generated version of him in order to help him expose corruption. Wait. Is Max Headroom the guy from the 80s who interrupted the broadcast? <laughs> this is the story I'm telling. Oh. Max Headroom is a, is a show. That guy, that character is what you see, right? Yeah. The computer animated, whatever. Yes. Okay. So we're going to get into that, but after I tell you what the show is about. Okay. So um, where was? Oh, so his last sight before he has this motorcycle crash was a sign that said max period headroom. You know, those signs where it's like a maximum headroom 
And that's how Max Headroom got his name. This this computer generated version of him. Now that you're talking about a British TV show. No, I'm talking about an American TV show based on a British TV movie. Max Headroom is an American TV show. Okay. But it was based on a BBC thing or a, a Channel 4 thing. Okay. So uh, yeah, so the, he, this guy is the crack reporter. Max is kind of the wisecracking observer of human contradictions. This weird show became sort of a cultural phenomenon, despite really dropping in ratings fast after this initial burst of sex. Sex. Sorry, sex. success. <laughs> Wait, I don't know where that came from. Max Headroom has been called the first cyberpunk television series. And life really imitated art in a way when it also became synonymous with an infamous hacking incident. This story is from Katie Serena, uh, all that is from All That Is Interesting blog. On November 22nd, 1987, a Chicago sportscaster named Dan Rowan was covering the highlights of a Chicago's Bear, Chicago Bears victory over the Detroit Lions. It was his usual spot during Channel 9's 9 o'clock news segment, and he had been doing this for years. Um, at 9.14, he disappeared from the screen. In fact, everything disappeared from the screen, and it flickered into darkness. Then 15 seconds later, a figure appeared. Dressed in a rubber mask and wearing sunglasses, this guy looked like artificial intelligence character Max Headroom. Even the background was sort of simulating what the Max Headroom background was. It was a gray background with these lines on it. Um, There was hardly any sound, but the image was still frightening. It bobbed its head around in front of a spinning background and a buzzing noise played. After 30 seconds, uh, signal engineers at the TV station were finally able to shut this signal off. Uh, They brought Dan Rowan back to uh, the TV set. And he said, well, if you're wondering what's happening, so am I. Uh, after this brief interruption, he continues his whatever, his sports recap. Studio engineers assumed that this um, hijack had been an inside job, and they began searching the building looking for this masked intruder. But the search was unsuccessful, and the broadcast turned out to be a pre-recording that was filmed at a separate location and somehow blasted into the airwaves. Uh, two hours after the first episode, the impersonator was back, this time on Channel 11. At 11.15 p.m. on a PS, PBS affiliate station that was airing Doctor Who episode titled The Horror of Fang Rock, uh, suddenly, as before, the video cuts out. Scan lines like those at the beginning of a VHS recording appear, followed by the familiar masked figure. The, head once, the figure once again bobs in front of the rotating background, the same mask covering his face. However, this recording has audio. He says... That does it. Uh, he's a freaking nerd. <laughs> the figure then laughs. He mentions one of the um, WGN pundits, and he's like, I'm better than him. <laughs> then he holds up a can of Pepsi while reciting the Coca-Cola slogan, Catch the Wave, which was something that Max Headroom was a spokesperson for at the time. After that, Max Headroom gets even creepier. The figure flips off the camera and his middle finger is covered by a rubber extension. He sings, your love is fading lyrics to a song by the temptations. He hums tunelessly. He mutters phrases from television shows and then he screams not nonsense. Uh, and then he begins to moan. 
After a moment, he pauses to claim he had made a giant masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper nerds. Uh, he holds up a glove and he's like, it, it looks like the Michael Jackson glove. It's a glitter glove. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, my brother is wearing the other one. <laughs> then he pulls it on and says, but it's dirty. It's like you have blood stains on it. The camera then cuts to a shot of a man's torso and butt. It's partially <laughs> exposed butt. <laughs> the Max Headroom mask has been removed and now it's just being held up to the camera. The rubber extension that was on the finger is stuffed inside the mouth of the mask. <laughs> he screams, they're coming to get me. And then we hear a female voice says, bend over, bitch. <laughs> and the man gets spanked by a fly swatter <laughs> and starts screaming. Is this only a local broadcast? Yes. But the reason there's video of this is because so many nerds recorded that episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> That people had it on VHS because they were like, people recorded things like that back in the day. Yeah. You didn't have like TiVo or whatever. Right. Or could just watch anything you want ever. So the video finally cuts out with the image of this man having his ass beat with a fly swatter by the <laughs> woman. And he's like screaming. They finally get it off the air. It That was one minute and 22 seconds Damn. that was on the air before... Um, they got this off. Don't you think there was a guy at the network who was watching this as everyone's scrambling to try and fix him? He's like, let's just hear him out. Let's hear him let's out. See I'm almost done. Oh, let's so see. close. <laughs> um, so obviously everyone's freaking out. Um, as I mentioned, the only people who have copies of the hack are these Doctor Who fans <laughs> who taped it. Um, but they give these tapes to some of the other networks who air segments of the tape, right? Not all of it. And they call the mastermind behind it a TV video pirate. Now, most people in the Chicago area where this took place are deeply amused by it all. They yeah. all find it incredibly funny. You know who didn't find it funny? The FCC. Oh. They're furious about this. <laughs> they start dedicating all of their efforts to finding this naked figure. They even offer a reward to anyone with information and they, they like issue a scolding statement saying they would like to inform anybody involved in this kind of thing. There is a maximum penalty of $100,000, one year in jail, or both. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but eventually they work out um, how the hacker did it. He had placed his or her own dish antenna between the transmitter tower um, somehow, and he was able to interrupt the original signal. Um, so they wouldn't have even needed expensive equipment to do this. It was just timing and positioning it correctly. They were able to pinpoint the location of where the video may have been shot based on some of the backgrounds that they saw. Uh, they thought it was like some warehouse in a district that was nearby that had these warehouse doors um, so they found all the pieces of the puzzle, but they couldn't find who was behind the mask. Who was this man behind the mask? Rumors about the identity of the person responsible started floating around. They were all dismissed. Um, but over the years, one name that appeared more and more was a provocateur named Eric Fournier. He was the creator of Shea St. John, a fictional model who was disfigured in a car accident and recreated her body from mannequin parts. I guess this is like an early viral video artist type person. I've never heard of this. 
Um, but a lot of people were like, yeah, there's some similarities here. He does these campy videos. Um, but we don't think that this is him. He would have, uh, definitely admitted to it at some point. Probably this guy died in 2010. So people can't even interview him about it anymore, but no one really thinks it was him. Um, and this was not the first hack obviously, and it wasn't the last either. Another notable hack that I thought was really funny was a guy named Captain Midnight. And he was the first hacker to interrupt a broadcast signal with his own personal message. He was mad that HBO had raised the prices. <laughs> so on April 27th, 1986, he interrupted that night's showing of the Falcon and the Snowman <laughs> to air his own grievance. <laughs> I think that's great. I don't know why it's so funny that it was the Falcon and the Snowman, because that is so 1986. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> remember when HBO just had all these weird movies? Yes, I yes. mean, that was just, it's funny Ugh. to think back to that. So he had control of the HBO signal for nearly five minutes. Wow. Yeah. I just think people weren't expecting it. Anyway, this article goes into all of this FCC shit, but who cares? I mean, this is all so stupid. And the I find FCC it. FCC is so boring. They're so boring. And it's like, get a job. Get, get, a, get, get a real job. Get a real job. I get like serious shit, but this stuff is actually makes our lives funnier. Right. So what do you care? Yeah. No, no one was harmed by this. No. Um, so our last story. Oh, this involves a show close to the hearts of many of our listeners, and that show is Criminal Minds. Uh, in particular, actor Thomas Gibson, who plays Aaron Hotchner. Yes. Hotchner. Aaron Hotchner. <laughs> they call him Hotch. They call him Hotch. He is an OG Criminal Minds character, and the source for this article is Cynthia Littleton's, uh, I guess, breakdown of the story in Variety. Now... Thomas Gibson starred on a Criminal Minds for 11 years as the Behavioral Analysis Unit's BAU team leader. (laughs) This is why fans of the show were shocked in 2016 when they got the news that the actor was suspended from the show. This was like out of nowhere. Uh, Making things even weirder, his former co-star Shamar Moore, who had left the show a few months earlier, uh, spoke about this uh, suspension or weird event on his Instagram. He posted a video of him talking and it's deleted now. It didn't mention Gibson by name, but it seemed like he was addressing this situation that was kind of like, you know, people were sort of low key talking about, but no one knew what really happened at this yeah. point. So he says in this Instagram post, a lot of birdies chirping out there. The gossip is real. I'll just say this. I believe in karma. Good things happen to good people, honest people, hardworking people, humble people, people who believe in basic goodness, treat people how you expect them to treat you, celebrate yourself and celebrate your blessings as you should, but just know that you're not better than anybody. (laughs) Damn. So what happened? In early August of 2016, Thomas Gibson got suspended from Criminal Minds due to an onset physical altercation with one of the show's writer's producer, writer producers. After his suspension, Gibson makes a public statement of regret for the incident, explaining the quarrel was based on creative differences surrounding a Criminal Minds episode he was directing. But on August 12th, producers took into consideration other bad behavior on the actor's part and he was fired. Yeah. This was the final straw for them. 
They issued a statement that said, Thomas Gibson has been dismissed from Criminal Minds. Creative details for how the character's exit will be addressed in the show will be announced at a later date. Now, according to TMZ, Gibson reportedly had a history of bad behavior behind the scenes. The actor uh, was apparently aggressive and verbally abusive for years on set. In 2010, he pushed an assistant director while filming a scene because they were moving too slowly, and the network made Gibson go to anger management classes. Variety reported that multiple sources described him as a mercurial personality on set who would be quick to anger. The outlet noted that Gibson and his Criminal Minds co-star Shamar Moore had an extremely tense relationship. Sources said his habit of arriving late to the set aggravated Thomas Gibson. He also had demands that the producer's schedule be juggled to allow him maximum flexibility to travel to his home in San Antonio, Texas, and this was a source of friction with other actors and producers. One staffer described him as selfish in that regard. TV Guide also reported that in 2013, he was arrested on suspicion of a DUI. Uh, Variety said that after that DUI, he lost his driver's license, and while... um, Well, because of that, Criminal Minds staffers had to drive him to and from set and drive him around. (laughs) Like It was their responsibility now to drive him. And I'm sure it was pretty unpleasant during that experience. Now, the shoving incident I mentioned uh, earlier came late late at night before the holidays in 2010 during a location shoot on the 6th Street Bridge near downtown LA. It was a chase sequence that called for Gibson to drive quickly across this bridge. And there was some confusion about what he was supposed, like when Gibson was supposed to drive off. After the take, he came out of the car yelling and confronted uh, this assistant uh, producer about safety concerns. And by multiple counts, he yelled, the guy yelled back at him. And after that, Gibson shoved him with both of his hands. Wow. This actually rattled a lot of the staffers because this was sort of the start of this escalation of onset tension between Gibson and almost everyone who worked there. Like, Really? Yes. There was um, a surprise for many people that he wasn't facing harsher discipline from the studio um, for doing something like that on set. And... Uh, this also came in the midst of his negotiations on a new contract with the show. So they were like, this is the perfect opportunity to deal with it. Yeah. But basically they're like, okay, just take some anger management classes and that'll be good enough. Now, despite this altercation, that assistant director um, remained on the set, but he eventually moves over to the spinoff criminal minds beyond borders. Um, So after he gets fired, He releases a statement. Thomas Gibson releases a statement. He says, I love Criminal Minds and have put my heart and soul into it for the last 12 years. I had hoped to see it through to the end, but that won't be possible now. I would just like to say thank you to the writers, producers, actors, our amazing crew, and most importantly, the best fans that a show could ever hope to have. Now, when he leaves, some people do describe him positively as a family man. Right. And most others were really happy that he was finally gone. Now, what happened to Hotch? He goes into the witness protection program after a serial killer stalks his son. At school. I can't wait to get to that. Look, you know it's bad. I've never seen anything like this on a show with the character getting kicked off. Because it's not like this happened in between seasons either, where they could, some time had passed. You know what I mean? 
Like this is mid season. He's uh, been with the show since the very first episode, right. and he's like a main guy. Yeah, he's a main guy. Um, he's the an- he's like an anchor. He's an anchor. He's the anchor of the show amongst the other BAU team members. He doesn't even get like a goodbye episode. It's like he got fired, and then they had he just gets exposition. Like other characters are like, oh, he's in the witness protection program, and he's not coming back. Yeah, they talk about that a little bit because they had filmed some episodes, obviously in the can, right? Yeah, and they just had to like keep going with other episodes without him before they figured out what they were going to do. Yeah. I mean, I've never, I'm just saying, I've never seen anything like it on a TV show. Like some, like a lot of times you see someone is leaving a show and there's like, they get an episode, a goodbye episode where they're there. Right. Well, we didn't get into this, but maybe we will on another like sitcom one. Yeah. But that happened with Jeff Garland on the Goldbergs. Oh, really? Yeah. He got he he also had bad set behavior. I don't know the extent of it, so I don't want to like downplay it because it might have been really illegal or something. I can't remember what it was, but he got like they just took him off and they CGI'd him. What? Yeah, we have to look into that story because it's it. They did something really weird and then they killed him or something. <laughs> but like <laughs> but off like, camera, that's, that's more weird though on a sitcom. Yeah, to do that to somebody. But I think they were like, we he needs to go. Like that's how bad he was on set. No, I mean it is wild when you get there because it feels so unceremonious for this huge character. Oh, this character under other circumstances would have had a huge send off. Yes, even if it was incredibly sad and dramatic, he got killed or whatever. No, it would have been a big thing. He doesn't. It just it appears like when you get to that area, you're like, oh, they hated him. They were done. I think it was. Uh, a financial liability at that point. Right. Uh, so that, I mean, that's how, you know, look, they don't give a fuck about people, but if they're <laughs> going to lose money, <laughs> right. Corporations, yeah. they're not going to risk because those people could sue, sue them. Right. Cause they're, he's in, a, he's making that a dangerous workplace. And like, it was a risk to take because obviously fans were really devastated that he left the show. Um, who might not know like the ins and outs of it, of the oh, whole yeah. situation that happened. But even if they did know, they're still devastated that this beloved character is now gone. Well, cause it's, you know, you're, you're missing the character. You don't give a fuck about Thomas Gibbs. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Hotch, it's like, well, can't we just finish Hotch out? Right. Like, why do we have to, you know, I can see the disconnect is probably uh, one thing. Yeah. But yeah, what a, I mean, hopefully he gets help. He Trust seems me, like he has some problems. On Reddit, you always get a post from somebody on Criminal Minds subreddit. You always get a post from someone who's like, maybe wouldn't it be great if Thomas Gibson came back as Hotch for season 17 of Criminal Minds? And there's always someone like, he's not coming back. He's never coming back. Well, I saw that in one of the articles I read. They're like, will he show up in Evolution? And I can't remember who the quote was from or if it was just the writer, but they're like, he will never come back. <laughs> like he's never coming back. Like, Whoa. so that's like the official line too, not just Reddit. Really? Like this guy's not coming back. They don't wow. like him. There, there's no reason to bring him back and they don't fucking care. Like wow. they're not bringing him back ever. So uh, I'm here to quash, squash that little dream. <laughs> If you were hoping to have a Hotch reunion. <laughs> we still have a tiny mustard grain of hope 
tiniest mustard grain that Matthew Gray Goobler could come back for future seasons of Criminal Minds. Well, he didn't do anything bad. No, he so didn't do it's anything. it's his choice. It's his choice that he left the show after... I mean, look, he spent 15 years of his life on that show. Yeah. I mean, I would say what they need to do, bring back all the, the fallen cast members <laughs> or whatever for a very special episode and we CGI Hotch. And maybe he, maybe he's CGI. maybe he's just on the playground in the witness protection program, and he like waves a hand. <laughs> they do they do something, or he salutes. Yeah, salute. <laughs> a salute would be good. We see him in the distance, and someone's like, "Is that Hotch?" Oh, hey, Hotch! And we see him go into a store, and it's just like a shimmery vision. I like that idea. Yeah, we should write for Criminal Minds. <laughs> Seriously, honestly, we could dream think of some real freaky shit. That is my <laughs> dream writing job. I don't even want to be a TV writer, but if I could, it would be for Criminal Minds. I don't even want to write the scripts. I just want to be in the room and have ideas. Like, here's what we're gonna here's do. Two. I have a great serial killer. <laughs> Never been done before. I've been thinking about this since I'm four. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that idea. Yeah, they're so, they're filming season seventeen of Criminal Minds now. So, I'm, oh damn, let's get it going, baby. Uh, We're gonna so, be back soon. <laughs> That's our part one. TV scandals and kind of crimey shit. Yeah. Like you could get arrested for some of this shit. <laughs> he salted people. <laughs> Uh, that's part one. We will be back for part two with our very special guests. Yeah. No spoilers. No spoilers. (laughs) We're excited to have them on. Yeah. Next week. We got even more TV drama scandals. Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.